0: Uh, song
1: reminds me of the movie Condemned with Stone Cold Steve Austin. (laughs) Condemned. (laughs) Yes, it does. It reminds me a lot of things. It reminds me of some great music. that's a Nickelback. Great song. Great song. It's our number two of First Stop here on TSN 1050. Aaron Korolnik and Carlo Koliakobo streaming worldwide TSN 1050.ca and the iHeartRadio Canada app. You see the TDSB the Toronto District School Board canceling buses this morning which is Why? basically a license to well I mean the roads are pretty bad up, up north and on some of the side streets for sure on Dude, the major, I drove home last night and I don't know if it was because of the rain that sort of slushed all the snow away the roads were perfectly fine oh uh, well on the 401 yeah it was but I think further up north and in other places of the city, they aren't exactly there. And they're very slippery. And probably uh, people just want day, days off. Like, I don't get I it. Like, do people, <laughs> do people forget that we grew up in Canada and
0: we grew up in Toronto and our whole lives we grew up with just snow, understanding that snow was going to come at this time of year? Ice like, and we, cold. We act, like, we act like these southern states that like, when they get snow, they shut down everything. Why does everything need to get shut down for
1: a little bit of snow? Well, I mean, when the buses are canceled, like you, you basically like, okay day off. Like right, parents. I guess parents, I guess parents are going to try to drop their kids off at school if they can. But I mean, back in the day when I was you know at school, which seems like it, it was a long time ago, if the buses weren't operating, it's like all right, day off. See you later. Thank you very much. Dude, I woke up my and whole that's it. My whole neighborhood's been plowed overnight. I mean, like what's
0: I don't understand. Like buses can't drive with a little bit of snow. I applaud
1: it. I applaud it. Day off. I don't. I want my kid at <laughs> <in> school, man. <laughs> yeah. They got to stay home and play mini sticks with you all day. Dad, you ready to go? You're like, I, oh, I not need a again. serious
0: nap today to catch up from the lack of sleep I got didn't get yeah. last night.
1: You did have a late night. You were in the studio uh, with uh, Frankie and Juliette Sherry. You are doing the CHL Top Prospects game. And I mean, the amount of hype heading into that game, I mean, it was like, really, the it was question all Connor was, Bedard, but it was all Connor Bedard. And that was the focus. And he didn't score. He had no points. Crazy. He didn't score, but at the world juniors, right? Like, this is a guy who's going up against the Americans and the Swedes and the best team. This is only against 17 year olds last night, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, the but best basketball players. Yeah. yeah. And look, don't get me wrong. He played a great game. Like, he was a standout in that game. Every time he touched the puck, he was making something happen. Even when he wasn't touching the puck, AK, he was making something happen. This guy was the only guy in the game throwing hits. He, he laid, like, two guys out. I'm thinking to myself, is he showing a different side to his game that people maybe don't think he can do or excel in? Because he does not shy away from contact. He was... Dude, in scrums, he was giving guys face washes and stuff like that. He's not afraid to get into the biz. He showed a feisty side to, to, to me last night in his game that I never thought he had. And maybe a lot of scouts probably didn't think he had that don't watch him every day. And like, I'm not saying, does that improve his draft stock? He's going number one overall. It doesn't <laughs> improve his draft stock, but I mean, it's, it, it, he got on the score sheet somehow. It, it, at the end of the game, it was so funny. Um, so he had zero points in that game, and you, like he was hit, he was on the the stat sheet with hits and stuff like that. But at the end of the game, one of the the other team's players scored in the empty net because Team Bedard had, pulled their goalie, and they scored on it. And after the goal, Bedard actually started a scrum with the guy who wow. scored the goal, the empty net goal. And I'm, guessing, and I'm guessing, and I'm guessing he did that because he finished the game. It was like <laughs> less than a minute left with him in the box. I'm guessing he did that because he wanted to get his name on the score sheet.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, there's that. And like how many times this year, whether it's in at the world juniors in with his team in Regina, Has with, he finished the know, game that, with zero points. I, I would guess it can't be more than a couple of times. So and to do I, that on an, on, you know, the national stage, I'm sure he was a little bit frustrated. Well, he he has
0: a 30, 35, or 36-game <laughs> point streak going. I and know, I know. So wait, he's played... I have the stats on me. i got to do the research. I'll find it. But what I was told yesterday in doing the research, that the first game of the season was when he recorded zero points and has not recorded a game with zero points since then until now. Yeah, that makes Dude, sense. In five games back from the World Juniors, okay, five games, he has
1: 17 points. including 12 goals in five (laughs) games back from the World Juniors. Is there anything he could do so to, to not go number one? Like, let's say he no. goes out there t- last night and can't skate. It's like ah, I forgot. It's like space jam.
0: Unless, <laughs> unless he gets in trouble doing something off the ice. Yes, there's let's hope no that's not chance. The case. There is no chance he's not going number one. Yeah, like we well, are not I mean, was, we are not seeing a
1: Slavkovsky
0: Shane Wright scenario. No, player. I don't I think no so. Chance. I don't
1: think anyone's just going to like Leo Carlson. Just ask Team Timo Sweden.
0: Solani, who basically <laughs> came out with a video yesterday. I mean, you want to talk, maybe somebody should send that video directly to Gary Bebman and ask him if there's tanking involved because (laughs) in a fun skit that he did in the Anaheim's Ducks dressing room, he was trying to show people, you know, the young, uh, you know, the young superstars or the young players. That the Anaheim Ducks boast, and you know, you saw McTavish's name, you saw Zegras' name, and then in an empty stall beside him, he put with hockey tape Connor <laughs> Bedard in that stall. Smart. So smart. What do you think he's? What do you think the message he's getting from Ducks management?
1: Well, I hope that Timu's got some luck on his side, maybe a you know rabbit's foot or something, because that's what they're going to need in Anaheim yeah. to pick up Connor Bedard. I mean, the Leafs have had a lot of luck in the lottery and drafting. I mean, think about getting Mitch Marner and. You know, the rumor was they were debating between him and Dylan Strom and uh, right was it, or was it Hannafin as no. well? Was it well, the yes, there it was Strom
0: Hannafin, and I, and I believe Marner the rumor was that Mike Babcock really wanted
1: them to wanted, draft Hannafin. Wanted Hannafin, Yeah, and Strom went a pick before, right. Before Marner went number three to Arizona. Yep. And we but, know how uh, that worked. Mark out. Mark Hunter's I mean, like Babs. Yep. Put a muzzle on it. We're taking Mitch Marner. Yeah, and of course, at least win the draft lottery in 2015, 2016, get Austin Matthews on the team, and everything has been on the up and up since then. And last night it was. Matthews and Marner reunited on on their line, a line that had so much success last year. And, man, did it lead to some heroics in overtime for Mitch Marner. Joe Bowen with an all-time call. Mitch Marner in overtime against the Rangers. Marner comes out and comes in front of the net and it's gone! Holy all what a move! <laughs> Mitch Marner undresses two Rangers, cuts across the gold crease, and outweights Jesterkin to win the game, 19 seconds into
0: overtime. So, obviously Marner with a, a, a pretty cool selly, too, where he goes down on one knee to give the fist pump, and then he gives the salute to the crowd. Now, I was in the TSN studios yesterday. We had no audio. Was there uh, a mention as to what, what the salute to the crowd meant?
1: Yeah, I don't know what you mean by the salute to the crowd. I saw people tweeting about that last night. I mean, I don't know. It just looked like he was, I don't know what he was doing with his hands. But Okay, so there um, was
0: no there was no meaning behind there, there it. Was it, was no, just, it was just know, him having a good what.
1: time celebrating a goal, right? And and perhaps he was asked about that postgame. I, I don't know, and we can hear from Mitch Marner on the OT winner. It was a beautiful play, a beautiful individual, oh individual effort where incredible. he takes it from his own end and kind of just slithers in, gets into the Rangers zone, and then kind of turns on the jets and gets by one guy cuts across the crease as you heard from joe bowen whose voice cracked that's a rarity you know it's a hell of a goal when that happens (laughs) yeah and it was a beautiful finish here is marner on the ot winner
2: yeah um great draw there by uh david um timmy kind of took it up the ice drew people towards him, dropped it (laughs) back to me i saw a lot of time and space and Tried to come over the blue line, um, decided, you know what I was going to do, try to slow the play down, see if anything was going to open up, and so I had my own little lane and tried to take it.
1: Great job there by, uh, David. (laughs) Yes. It was a great David. draw by David Kompf, and uh, he did yes. win it, and then uh, the rest was history. Again, 19 seconds into overtime. But this was a game, and we discussed it in hour number one of the show, where the Leafs were losing on multiple occasions. They were down yeah. one nothing. They were down 2-1 in no, the no, third period. No, no, they were up one nothing.
0: They were up one nothing in that case. Sorry, they
1: were up one nothing. yes. My mistake. Yes. Pontius Holberg uh, scored to With uh, the Pavel Datsuk the backhand yes. clapper top right. chisels. Um, but yeah, the Leafs were down 2-1 in the third period, and The Sheldon Keefe was mixing and matching the lines as he seemingly does more than almost any coach in the National Hockey League. I mean, it seems every night there's a new kind of combination, either up front or on the back end. And last night, the new choice for Keefe, in the offensive zone anyways, was Marner, Matthews, and William Nylander together. Mm. And those guys were really controlling possession. They hemmed the Rangers into their own zone on multiple occasions, and ultimately all that momentum led to Timothy Lilligren scoring to make it 2-2, uh, a hell of a goal by Lilligren, a great play from Nylander and Tavares that got uh, kind of led to that moment, and uh, that was uh, you know a culmination of a lot of quality hard work by the Leafs, and they dominated the final 10 minutes of that game. It was pretty clear that everything was rolling downhill for the Leafs. They were able to tie it up, and fortunately for them, overtime, a spot where they've been hit or miss all year, it was Marner who finished it off. So that was a lot of fun to see, and uh, kudos to the Leafs for picking up the win. We haven't even mentioned Ilya Samsonov last night, who I thought it was really yeah. good. Held his own really good. against Shosturkin. And, guys, 14-0-1 at home. 14-0-1 at home. And yeah. I think he would be 27 of 29 saves for uh, for the Leafs, and man, yeah, I, I don't know. There's going to be a debate. Should Matt Murray start tomorrow night against Ottawa? Why? Like, why? Right. Let Samson off. He's rolling. I mean, the guy's been exceptional at home. They've got a home game, and I get it. Murray's playing his former team, hasn't started in a while, but pick up, keep picking up wins. I don't understand why you'd mess with a good thing. Well, you're right. There's no reason to
0: mess with a good thing, but just look at the schedule. It's Ottawa tomorrow night, and it's Washington on Sunday. Look at the former teams. Matt I know. Murray's I know. Former I get team it. Is Ottawa. Samsonov's former team is Washington. So the Leafs have always made sure that they prioritize these type of you know return or revenge matchups for certain players. So it's like se- sentimentality almost, right, where you want to go right. up against and, your former team. And and I believe Samsonov started the season is the second game of the year they beat Washington, right? Where Yep. You know, he got his first win against his former team. So, I I, I would think, look, if, they're, if they have a schedule sled, I would imagine that would be the rotation. But I wouldn't be surprised otherwise either if Sheldon Keefe decides to say, look, uh, you know, that's probably something we looked at, you know, um, looked at focusing on prior to this week. But... The way Samson is playing, we just can't take the net away from him because he's playing so well. We want to continue to, you know, make him gain confidence, stay on a roll, and and see how far he can lead us. Because, like, you talk about his, his last five games. His last five games, he's 4 0 1. And remember, that includes the loss in Montreal on the weekend when they lost in overtime. And you mentioned 14 0 1 at the Scotia Bank Arena. He became the fourth goaltender in Maple Leafs history to record a 15 game home point streak at any point in the season, not just, you know, fourth goalie.
1: I'm surprised that three others have done it. Like that's a, that's very challenging. Harry Lumley, George Hainsworth and Jacques Plante. Oh, so it's been a long time since it's happened. So like, you know, 50 years or so. And that makes a lot of sense because what Samsonov's done on home ice is pretty much unprecedented. He's been, Incredible and And he won the goalie goalie battle yesterday, you know, the battle of the Russians
0: between him and Shosturkin, And that was a big talking point coming into the game. And the Maple Leafs did it in comeback fashion again for the 14th time this season. And I think that's what continues to be, you know, the more impressive thing you see this Maple Leafs team adopt is, you know, what we've been what we've come to know of this team is that they're never out of any game because of the way they can score. Well. This year, they haven't really, you know, been that high scoring track meet type of team unless they have had to be. I mean, you go back to last week when they played Florida, you know, down by, you know, multiple goals, they come back to win that game. But obviously with the way that they're built and the players that they have, even though we haven't seen it much this year, you got to feel pretty good that when they're down in a game, they have the ability to come back. And it's not just because of the players they have, but it's because of the, the coaching adjustments that
1: Sheldon Keeves continues
0: to make game after game.
1: And you know we saw it in the last game against the Islanders how in the in the final period, Keith was mixing and matching. It was Matthews and Marner back together, and it was ultimately, or sorry, the second period. I should say, Nylander and Tavares, who had that four-point period, or Nealander two goals, two assists. Tavares was awesome too. And then last night, I mean, as I mentioned, the line blender was. Was in effect once again. And I think Keith has done a really, really good job of making adjustments on the fly. That's good coaching. That's analyzing a situation and trying to capitalize on it. He deserves a lot of kudos for what he did yesterday that helped Leafs get, to, get, to, get, get two points. Because otherwise, right. I mean, I think a lot of the momentum they built up in the third period wouldn't have materialized otherwise.
0: And I'd love to hear Sheldon Keith's comments after the game, especially the one where he touches on the comeback victory. 20 Fingers, do we have that clip uh, available? Can we just listen to it quickly before we go to break? We, okay, we'll listen to it when we
1: come back at a break. All right, Chrissy is laying down the law. Chris Diavero. I love it, I love it. We've got Would You Rather on the other side, our hockey analyst Mike Johnson for Leafs Breakfast as well in 30 minutes. And a reminder, our Waste Management Open Keyword of the Day coming up at some point in the next 90 minutes. You're listening to First Up here on TSN 1050.
2: Evening will culminate with a game,
1: a contest.
2: Each player will be given a choice between A or B
0: decision-making in its rawest form. Would you rather? You
2: must make the decision.
0: We're giving away Toronto
1: Raptors tickets here on First Up, but it's in our podcast. There will be little clues spliced into the pod about a mystery Raptor. You can figure out who the mystery Raptor is based on each of the four clues in each of the four hours of the program. Go to tsn1050.ca. Find the spot where you input your answer. You and a friend could be seeing the Raps. In a couple weeks' time. What's up, Coco? Nice. And speaking of contests, I believe our waste management contest is coming to an
0: end soon. Isn't the draw for the name tomorrow? Next week, next week. Oh, it's next week. Next week. Next My week. apologies. Yes. My apologies.
1: We got a long road to go for the Waste Man. So we still Open have another. Contest. We still
0: have another week of clues to give away. Exactly. For people to win gift cards and put themselves in the big draw to win that that incredible trip to Phoenix, baby.
1: Yeah, uh, very jealous. Very, very jealous. Let's bring in our producer, Cheese. This is Would You Rather? What are we talking about today, Mister Horvat?
2: I have a very famous birthday today. So it got me thinking. If you had to cast a vote for the greatest hockey player of all time, would you vote for Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux, or Connor McDavid? Happy 62nd birthday to the great one and Brantford's own Wayne Gretzky.
0: Shout out to the Waynster! I I know Wayne Gretzky's birthday better than anybody because I always know it's the day before mine. So 62 <laughs> to the great one. Um... See, this is a tricky question because you're, you're saying greatest hockey player of all time. Well, Connor McDavid is still playing, so you can't really include him in that vote just yet. I think when Connor McDavid's career is done, he will definitely be put in that conversation. He'd probably even get my vote as the greatest player of all time. And that's still to be determined because you don't know what type of trophies he's going to continue to add to his, um, to his trophy case. So
1: if I had to pick one guy, obviously I'm going with the great one right now. Ray yeah, I think, that's e- I think that's an easy one. It's Gretzky. He's got more assists than anybody else in NHL history. He has points. I mean, that's that alone speaks to his greatness.
0: Do you think Mario Lemieux, and- Lemieux would have
1: given his record a go if he would have been healthy his whole career? Uh, it's possible it's possible but i mean even when they were both healthy in their respect at their respective best it was still gretzky putting up a more prolific point totals and we know what lemieux dealt with with his back problems and obviously dealing with cancer as well right. stepping away from the game for a, for a period of time uh, and gretzky Dude, the guy and, came back from dealing with cancer in his first year he put up 100 points i do rem- you remember that game it was against the leafs against when he made the his leafs return. first and game i remember back. i remember it so well i was up at me too my, Cousin's cottage or something. Watching it, probably would have been like twelve years old. Wasn't that the first goal of the game too? And just the chills. I think he had a goal and an assist. He was incredible that night. And man, Mario Lemieux, what a stud! What a stud! Yeah, a lot of fun. But I think Gretzky has to be regarded as the best ever. Happy birthday, Wayne! Sixty-two, guaranteed. He'll be teeing it up today with Dustin Johnson. Yeah, probably. They'll be having themselves (laughs) a time. Go ahead, cheese.
2: Let's stay with hockey. If you are the Maple Leafs. Would you rather commit to Cali Yarncroft in a top six role for the rest of the season and you get to address the blue line, or would you try to still upgrade your top six?
0: Yeah, I would rather to still try to upgrade your top six regardless of Cali Yarncroft is playing because I don't view him as a top six forward. I think he, in in his best suited situation, and look, he's uh, excelled or he's exceeded expectations this year because of... The, the great statistical season he's having, playing with Marner or and Mar- Marner, Nylander, or Tavares, whoever he's playing with on that second line. But in ideal world, he's the perfect third line centerman because you know he can take faceoffs if you needed to take faceoffs. I know he's a winger, but he's a guy that you know can be a shutdown guy for you, be defense uh, responsibly, def- be responsible defensively, and can play that check and roll you need, you know, as a, as a, as that added depth insurance in a playoff round. I think right now you're it's it's a luxury what you're getting out of him. Yeah. And what what you're doing is you're creating more of a luxury if you go out and get somebody that's better suited to be a Sox's top 6 guy cuz then you're just giving yourself more depth in a playoff series.
1: If I have to pick between one of the two, I am rather I'm, I'm addressing the top 6 as opposed to the blue line. I think that's fair to say and I, again, I think they're probably going to address both. Maybe not with the blockbuster trade that some are hoping for. Like I don't think Ryan O'Reilly's coming here. I don't think Vladislav Gavrikov is coming here. That being said, they can make smaller, more specialized moves... Maybe not necessarily to replace Callie Yarncroft, but maybe to challenge him. Maybe in certain situations, you do bring someone up and play in his spot. But I think the more pressing need, not that it's overly pressing, uh, would be in the top six as opposed to the blue line. Go ahead, Cheese.
2: All right. From one Toronto team that's buying to another Toronto team that might be selling, if you are the Toronto Raptors, would you rather trade OG Ananobi to the Pelicans for the Lakers' unprotected 2023 first, or to the Trailblazers for last year's seventh
1: overall pick, Shaden Sharp. There can be now, other we, should acknowledge, we should acknowledge that neither of those deals would get it done for OG and Anobi. Like, not even close. Like, it would be more than just one yeah, draft pick yeah. than for OG and Anobi. If I had to pick between the, the two, I mean, Shaden Sharp's a ridiculous, ridiculous athlete, and a Canadian. We like that as well. The Lakers pick, though, ah, I feel like they're going to turn it up a little bit here in the second half and make a run. I mean, LeBron's back. Or Only one sorry, game Anthony out. Davis is back. Uh, LeBron James has been playing at an incredibly high level. They made that trade for Rui Chimura a couple days ago. I think if I was picking between the two, I'd go with Shaden Sharp as the OG trade partner. But again, that's not even close to what you need in order to trade a guy like OG Ananobi.
0: Yeah, look, I, I don't spend much time doing scouting on Shaden Sharp, so I'll take your um, you know your your scouting report on him. But I would rather trade him for the unprotected first-round pick for the Lakers because this is going to, like what people say, I mean, you, know, you got the Wembenyama and the Scooter, uh, what's his name? Um, Scoot Henderson. Scoot uh, Henderson as your top two. But most people are predicting this is going to be a very deep draft, right? Yep. And if you're talking about rebuilding, You'd want to probably accelerate that rebuild. And if you can get two top players in this draft with a first-round pick and your own first-round pick, I I would probably choose that. But I'm with you, AK. I don't think that would be even close to enough of getting a deal done for OG and OB anyways.
2: Let's go to the NFL. They announced a bunch of award uh, candidates yesterday. If you had to vote for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, would you rather vote for Kenneth Walker Garrett Wilson or Brock Purdy?
0: Oh, Brock Purdy's getting my vote on this. I got the jersey ordered. Come on, man. He's my guy, Did now, you get like, the jersey order? Yes, I did. Wow. Yes, I did. Look at
1: that. The
0: Brock yes, I did. Purdy jersey. I, I, it's
1: going to be a Purdy party. I Nicole love this guy. Man.
0: I love everything about him. And. There's a lot of debate out there. Is he the real deal? you not. I've seen a good enough sample size that I love I just love the swagger of this guy, and I love the story—like the guy coming out of nowhere and now leading his team to the NFC Championship game, one game away from going to the Super Bowl. To me, he gets my vote. Not to discredit the year Kenneth Walker had. That guy was an absolute beast for the for the Seahawks this year. He's going to be a beast of a running back. Probably be a top five running back in fantasy drafts next year. I would think. Yep. And I think so. Garrett Wilson. Look, I he had a pretty good year. Didn't really play with any great quarterbacks, but he was never really viewed to me as an offensive, you know, breakout type of player yeah. based on some of the other great stories we've seen in the NFL. See,
1: here's the problem with this question is that Brock Purdy started six regular season games, was it five regular season games, played in six, something like that, and, you know, Garrett Wilson played in 16 games. Kenneth Walker yeah. played in 14 games. I don't think you can give it to Brock Purdy just for that reason. You're talking about playing a third of the schedule, as good as he was. And he led the Niners to every single game he started, they won. Every single game he played in, they won. But mm. he didn't play enough. I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson, uh, more than 1,000 yards. And you're right, you're right. he played with Zach Wilson and, and Mike Joe White Flacco. And, and Joe Flacco and had more than 1,000 yards as a rookie. I think Chris Olave deserves some credit as well. Kenneth Walker, man, that kid is a beast i'm a huge fan uh, of kenneth walker so uh, i love brock purdy and there's nothing to do with his abilities heading to the nfc title game or anything it's just he didn't play enough for me so i'm gonna give it to one of the other two
2: from one beast running back to two more if you are the buffalo bills and you can sign only one running back in free agency would you rather sign saquon barkley or josh jacobs wow this is a good one
0: they're both really good. Uh, you know, Josh Jacobs is, a, you know, I'm a big fan of his because he's one of my stud running backs on my fantasy team that I'm probably going to protect as one of my keepers as well, too. You don't want
1: him in Buffalo, then. Uh, I, yeah, sure. I, Keep I, him I don't, away from I don't want him
0: in Buffalo because they don't <laughs> hand the ball to the running backs. But I'd probably choose Saquon Barkley because I think he's more explosive and he's sort of that hard-nosed runner that you'd probably want to get the ball when you need a big play. Not saying that Josh Jacobs can't be that guy. I just think that Barkley carries more swagger with this game.
1: Yeah, I think he's a better pass catcher out of the backfield too. And for Buffalo, a team that utilized their running backs in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals, zero times. Zero times. Yeah, I think if they had five receiving yards from their backs, whether it was Cook or, or Singletary or Naheem Hines, I mean, it was just brutal. So Barkley. It would be the choice. That being said, if Buffalo allocates $14 million to Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs, that would be an extremely poor decision. So right. um, I think there would be much better ways to utilize that money than right. picking up a running back. They have James Cook there. He's
0: got to be the guy that they force to be. Maybe this these type of talents that you just mentioned it. But, you know what really bothered me yesterday? And I'm starting to get really irked at some of the comments that I'm hearing coming out of Buffalo and their year end pressers trying to make excuses for their season and stuff like that. Like defending the offensive coordinator and defending the defensive coordinator. Even defending Sean McDermott, who, you know, again, he even said he got outcoached. He got outclassed. He's been outclassed in big games that the Bills have lost in over the last three seasons. But Brandon Bean's comments about Jamar Chase. Did you hear that? I Saying did. we haven't sucked enough to get a guy like Jamar Chase. You haven't drafted a wide receiver in your first. In your first rounds of your last four drafts, you don't have to suck to get a Jamar Chase. You had a chance to draft A.J. Brown. You had a chance to draft Justin Jefferson if you didn't trade for Stephon Dix. You had a, draft, a chance to even draft some of the wide receivers that went in this year's draft. So don't make the excuse, oh, we didn't have Jamar Chase. You didn't, you didn't choose to, to draft a wide receiver. And to be honest with you... Even the guys you draft on the defensive end have not really panned out. You haven't really turned them into anything special. You have Josh Allen. You have to to design your roster around Josh Allen. Find him playmakers. Go out and get big wide receivers. Go out and get speedy wide receivers. Go out and get guys that can run after catches to create more playmaking opportunities for guys like Josh Allen so he's not... Leaving games yeah. with bloody
1: elbows and stuff like that. He always has the bloody elbow, though. <laughs> I think he comes out with the bloody elbow. Right. Like, hey, trainer. Poke I the hated elbow, that gotta, comment, man. That got to be so bad. Yeah, and, and the Bills have that. not done the Bills have not done a good job of drafting skill position players at all. The no. running backs that they that they have taken and subsequently traded, like Zach Moss, would be another example. So uh, we'll see what they've got uh, this year. But yeah, that Brandon Bean commentary was roasted online needless to say we've got Mike Johnson standing by we've got some betting breakfast coming your way next as well and Brian Hayes the host of Overdrive in about 45 minutes time more first up coming your way after this We are giving away a pair of Raptors tickets. Listen to each hour of the First Up podcast for a clue to the identity of a former or current Raptors player. Once you have all the clues and you know the identity of the player, you'll have until the end of the day to enter at tsn1050.ca for your chance to win the tickets. Here is your clue. Our second clue for the Reveal That Raptor contest. This mystery Raptor played for seven different teams during his NBA career. Rise and
0: shine. A tough wake-up call this morning again. Tired as hell. It's
1: time for bet. Let's just say I'm hammering the over. And breakfast. Roll out of bed, maybe make some coffee, have a bite to eat. We've got TSN hockey analyst Mike Johnson standing by for Leafs breakfast in about eight minutes time. The Leafs pick up a 3-2 win in overtime to beat the New York Rangers last night. But here on Bet and Breakfast, we're focusing in on the AFC title game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a game that opened with the Bengals as two and a half point underdogs. Moved all the way to Cincinnati being two point favorites. And then yesterday, lo and behold, more line movement, in large part due to Patrick Mahomes and his status. We saw the high ankle injury he suffered against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was hobbled. After the game, it was Schefter, it was everybody talking about how Patrick Mahomes has a high ankle sprain. That's a serious injury. But somehow, someway, magically, and this is one of the preeminent athletes of our generation Mahomes is practicing in full yesterday, and no surprise, the line movement was there as well in favor of the Chiefs. Here is Mahomes on the status of his ankle. It's doing good,
2: you know. I've done a few days of treatment, a few days of rehab. Uh, excited to get on the practice field and kind of test it out
1: uh, and uh, see where I'm at. But uh, it's feeling good so far. It was amazing to watch, and we'll bring in our man Cheese here to continue the conversation. It was amazing to watch how the line moved as Mahomes all the videos emerged during practice for the Kansas City Chiefs he's out there high stepping listed as a full participant and if you look at the NFL rules and regulations with regards to practice and what the different labels mean if you can be if if you didn't participate if you're a partial participant or if you're a full participant I mean Patrick Mahomes did everything that a starting quarterback would traditionally do, Chiefs. Are you starting to lean a little bit more towards the Kansas City Chiefs here?
2: Well, it's pretty rare that you see Mahomes be an underdog at home, right? And I think it just speaks to his competitive nature that he wants to be out there. And I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't limited at all. I can't lie to you but I'm leaning the Bengals here in this game, just kind of based on how they've played against the Chiefs in recent history I mean, for whatever reason and I'm sure there's a bunch of them Burrow has had the number of Mahomes and the Chiefs, so even despite this news, I'm, I've am i already been leaning towards the Bengals
1: I don't know where you're looking at, but I, I like them a lot on Sunday Yeah, I had, I had the Bengals plus two and a half when the line opened following the game on Sunday, but I am definitely leaning Kansas City now, and Call me a sucker for the videos with Patrick Mahomes, but I, I think Kansas City gets it done at home. Anytime you're getting Mahomes at home, and that's basically a pick right now. The KC and the Chiefs are uh, both minus 108 on the money line, so you're talking about a situation in which it's a literal coin flip between the two. And you mentioned how Mahomes, never a, a home underdog. Kansas City has been favored in 14 straight playoff games entering the we- entering this week, including all 12 starts by Patrick Mahomes. They are home dogs for the second time in Mahomes' career. Career! And I'm not sure that's going to hold up. My guess is Kansas City will be the betting favorite by game time on Sunday. We've got our hockey analyst Mike Johnson standing by. We've got Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive, and we'll get back to the NFL with Ed Werder from ESPN in about 45 minutes. More first up as Leafs Breakfast is on the way next. This is Leafs Breakfast. Marner comes
2: through the neutral zone to the line and in holds looks now camp goes
1: to the bench minor comes out and comes in front of it it's score. holy mackinac oh, what a move mitch minor undresses two rangers cuts across the gold priest and outweights jesterkin to win the
2: game 19 seconds into overtime
1: It takes a very special effort to hear Joe Bowen, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and his voice cracking, but I think if there was ever a play uh, for that to occur on Mitch Marner's OT winner last night, might have been it. Welcome back to Leafs Breakfast here on First Up, Aaron Korolnik and Carlo Koliakopo. Let's bring in our good friend, TSN hockey analyst Mike Johnson, into the conversation. Good morning, Mike, what's going on? Good morning,
3: guys. Uh, I listen. Last night was I was in New York last night. And I was trying to get home, so it was a very late night. But I somehow managed to make it through the snowstorm to get back to Toronto, which was good. Late, late at night. So I watched the whole Leafs game, waiting for a flight that may or may not take off uh, <laughs> on the iPad. But it was it was just a long, eventful night, longer than the overtime was for the Leafs, anyways.
1: Yeah, 19 seconds in, Marner uh, scores. But, yeah, you're you're sitting at the airport. There's nothing worse than the uncertainty, right, where you're like, oh, boy, am I going to be spending the night in a hotel room? Am I going to be sleeping in the airport? Uh, But fortunately, you did get home uh, from New York. and. I mean, the, the Marner goal was an outstanding individual effort, and the Leafs another comeback win for them. They are uh, one of the top teams in the NHL in comeback wins. But I think a lot of people this morning, Mike, are talking about the Philip Hedl goal off the faceoff, and the, mm-hmm. the, the the puck is dropped, and he just rifles it past Ilya Samsonov uh, to tie it at one. You ever execute one of those in your playing career? Um, well, I didn't
3: take a ton of faceoffs once I got to college. I played primarily on the wing, but like that was a I mean, I think Mario scored a goal like that. Grant yeah. scored a goal like that. Like, um, but that's one that you score in in minor hockey when you're like a little kid and the goalies don't know what they're doing. <laughs> that's not one you score uh, for a lot of reasons. Like, you can kind of tell. Like when I'm watching the game, I can say like, Looks like this guy's going forward. Like, you know, you can tell kind of based on body language, on where he puts his, where he sets up his feet, like what he might be trying to do here. And I know it was was okay, Camp pulling it back to his left towards the goaltender, so both guys are going the same direction. But what was surprising and. I've never noticed this. set up for defensive zone face-offs with his stick in the air? Because yeah, like either he wasn't set kind of standing too upright or he stands upright before he gets into his crouch. And if that's something that he does all the time, I don't think that's a free scale, like shoot it on net. But it does seem less than optimal when, you know, the puck can drop, whatever it is, 20 feet away from you and your stick is, you know, at your shin height. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was interesting that it worked it'd uh, be one for the you know, for the highlight reel, but just more like I wonder if off now has that little conversation with the goaltending coach, like is there something we want to do differently there that even though it's so rare, um you would be in a better position if someone tries that again.
0: Yeah, as hard as it is, when it goes in it when it goes in it looks bad, but it's it's really an impressive play if a forward can pull it off. I used to play with a guy in the minors, you probably know the name, Chris Newberry. Yeah, he used he used to, he used to play three. Tough
3: as nails. Yeah,
0: had a splash with the Maple Leafs too, and he used to do that all the time, you know, off the faceoff. Like he would just see how the 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 other center iceman was lined up, and he'd call a set play. Like, you know, when you huddle before the faceoff, you're trying to all be on the same page, and he'd be telling guys, I'm going to the net with this. So I've seen it done many, many times, and if you can execute it, it looks good. Um, just staying with the Maple Leafs, Johnny. I know you've been a guy that's been pushing the old add a forward with this group. Yeah. Um, and you see, which I and, and I've jumped on board with that. I totally agree with you on it. And we see Cali Yarnkrock right now is finding a nice fit on that second line. In an ideal world, would you be okay with the Yarnkrock if that's the, ultimately what they settle with, or would you still want them to push really hard to get a top six forward and and have Yarnkrock sit in in his Probably better suited position on the third line.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think. Listen, they're they're second in the league to this morning by points, so it's not like they're not exceptional, as is, right? So like we are improving an already elite level team. If it were for the Boston Bruins having a season for the ages, they'd be fighting for the Presidents Trophy. Like and they're doing really, really well. And Yard Croak is on pace for whatever it was, you know, twenty twenty ish goals and forty five points while he missed some time. That would be totally fine production, but if we're getting greedy, and I think that's what the top teams are doing at the deadline, then yeah, I think absolutely you want to go get another forward um, to round out your top six because a third line, if you put Camp and if it's it's Engvall and it's, you know, it's Croak, if that's what it is, or Kerfoot and croak or whatever it might be, um, you know, that does offer you a little bit more the third-line role, um, maybe a little bit more offense, maybe a little bit more experience uh, than Bobby McMahon, who's been playing there as of late. So, yeah, 100%. Now, everyone says Timo Meyer, and that would be amazing. He, that guy is an awesome player, and he would be fit perfectly. It would be very hard on the access to acquire him, and because he makes so much money next year. It's not a rental, right? Like, he's got a quality, get qualified, like, $9 bucks next year. So... Um, you know, that, that becomes problematic. But, yes, I give me Barbashev. Give me, like, you know what mm. I mean, like a guy like that that's a good player but maybe not, like, the number one target on people's boards. Like, I love that player that, you just mentioned, John. I know. I absolutely
0: <laughs> love that player you just mentioned. Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for a team like St. Louis who's going to look to maybe change some things, if he's available, like, that he wouldn't cost as much. He plays, like, not with edge, but he plays kind of a harder physical game. He's had success in the playoffs. He can play with good players. He scored 20 something before. Like a guy like that to me would be really good. And if he plays in your third line, he's not going to kill you down there either. So, um, you know, somebody like that, I 100%, and I, and I expect them to uh, kind of mirror this thought process. I, I think they will be looking at the same kind of thing.
1: So there have been rumors, and Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, our guest here on Leafs Breakfast, rumors around Gavrikov in Columbus, Jake McCabe, mm-hmm. a couple of defensemen, and. It got me thinking last night after Timothy Lilligren scored that goal to tie it up with uh, what four or five minutes left. He's a guy who's been playing some significant minutes for the Leafs. He's been well over twenty minutes in uh, most of the last month or so. What would your level mm-hmm. of comfort be, Mike, if Timothy Lilligren was a top four defenseman heading into the postseason for the Leafs?
3: The same that would be, or if not higher, than it would be if it was Gavrikov or McCabe. Like, mm. like that's what we're talking. Like, you got to think about the relative upgrade, and I don't think there is one really. No. From from Lilligren, the way he's playing now, and his familiarity with this team, and any of those other guys, those other guys are not bad players, but they're not any better than Lilligren. So yeah. they can go get a guy like the guys you mentioned for depth, but you're not going to upgrade Lilligren. It's not like you know Jacob Chikrin is coming in, who's you know probably uh, you know better than some of the guys they have at this point. You would be looking at depth guys. So. My comfort level will be high. I think he's a good player. I think what him and Sandine have established this year is that they could play significant minutes on a good team in any situation. Like you don't want them to be the number one pair going to the playoffs, but if they're one of your top three pair and the, and the strength of the league defense is in its depth and in its versatility, not that they ride a top guy because they don't have a top guy, but their six are better than your six kind of thing. Um, yes, yeah, And that's why I wouldn't trade a Lily Grant or a Sandine for one of those defenses. Now, if you can get an impact forward and it costs you Sandine, and then you can replace Sandine with Gavrikov, like you know, then you're talking about net net. The team would be better off. Right? Just a lateral exchange, one of those deep for Sandine or Lilligren. No, because they're not going to be any better. Yeah,
0: and at some point in the organization, remember Sandine Lilligren didn't play in the playoffs last year. Like you, you've got to give these these boys, these guys a chance who've earned the right to play in those situations because of the seasons that they've had. And if you expect them to be here long-term at some point, you've got to give them playoff time. And I think they've earned it
3: this year. And you need, and, and like, it's fun to try, and like, listen, we all do it. It's fun to talk contracts and get this guy, that guy, there is a salary cap to consider. Right. And like, these guys don't make a ton of money and they're not going to make $6 million next year. Like you need guys that make a million, 2 million, $3 million. You can't right. have everyone make five, six, seven, eight, nine. Cause they have enough of those guys. And the cap, Looks like it's not gonna go up next year to the same degree we thought. So it's gonna be tight again. It won't be till the following year where it maybe takes the big, big jump. So um like affordability isn't also a real asset um going forward. So yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what the least are the least are top five team in goals against in the league. Like defense isn't isn't a huge problem with the goals that they've had and the team that they you know, the system they play and the defensemen they have. So I'm with you, Carlo. Like. I, I think they're more than good enough. you want to add depth? Absolutely. Yeah. You might need it if you go deep and you, you know, save for injuries and all that stuff. But I wouldn't be looking to a Jake McCabe, you know, a good NHL defensive idea is to supplant off of your top four. I would not right. be looking to do that.
0: Well, it's a good thing. Great minds think alike, Johnny, because we're both on the same page. Go after that impact forward. Maybe add defense, depth to the defense if you can do it and, let your guys that have earned the right to, to show them, show you that they can play in the playoffs have their spot. Um, I want to go mystic on you right now. Yeah. And use your, uh, mystic mic prognostications because me and AK do a segment twice a week called Dump and Chase where we give out hockey plays. And there was something that, uh, TSN Edge posted the other day about the winner of the Pacific Division. And right now, as we stand today with Shadows win last night, they are now tied with Vegas at 61 points. But not too far behind me are the Edmonton Oilers at 58 points. Today, they are plus 350 to win the Pacific Division. If you had to pick somebody right now to win that Pacific Division, who would you choose?
3: Um, Seattle,
0: Vegas, I, L.A., yeah,
3: Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean we'd probably take a look at the numbers, but I mean... I think you're probably taking Edmonton or I guess Seattle. I mean, Seattle, you can't knock the record they have. Like, I know they gave up a ton of goals and other goaltenders have like sub 900 save percentages, but they also score a ton. Um, and they have a real thing going there. Now, the only thing they don't have is a, is a good record at home. So they got to clean that up to, to maybe make a run for it. But I think Seattle or Edmonton are probably, well, I mean, Vegas is right there, but it seems like Vegas is struggling a little bit right now. Just kind well, of Stone's their future
0: too is and up in Stone, the air.
3: Right? Is and, and and you know Carlo like I've worked some Ottawa games when he was back there and I've seen him in Vegas many times. Like Stone is a connector that makes everyone else better. Like whoever right. plays with Mark Stone, like even if it's Jack Eichel, like another great player, he's way better when he gets Mark Stone in, the, in in on his on his line. And if Stone can't play this year in the regular season or maybe the rest of the year, he's got like the bad back again. Um, that changes the team in a worse way big time. So I would mm-hmm. say probably Seattle or Edmonton. I mean, I think Edmonton kind of stubbed their toe last night against Columbus. You expected them to win that game. They did not. They got one point out of it. But, um, you know, the way they're playing as of late, their goaltending's tennis cleaned up. Their systems play cleaned up. Um, I think we picked Edmonton to, to win the Pacifics. When it's before the year started and it wouldn't surprise Plus you to 400,
0: That's incredible value it's right Good now.
1: value right there, yeah. MJ. I, I mean, we're all about value. We're, yeah. we're all three of us.
3: So I'm, I'm, three, I'm a three point spread on a team that's been there before and is yeah. um, playing well right now. And yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think that, right. that is not bad value
1: at all. The Mystic Mike stamp of approval. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what we need whenever we're contemplating any type of wager on FanDuel. MJ, today is Wayne Gretzky's 62nd birthday. You were coached by the great one in 2005-2006, his first season behind the bench with the then Phoenix Coyotes. Any Gretzky stories you can share? I guess that was. His, I think Rick Talkie was on that staff as well, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Like, what was that like with Gretzky stepping behind the bench and uh, you, one of the top players on Airz on uh, Phoenix at the time?
3: Yeah, so there's a lot of stories. I could do an hour segment with this. <laughs> That's just some funny stuff. But like, we had, yeah, we had Gretz, we had Talk, we had Grant Fuhrer as our goalie coach. We had Coffee was
0: oh, Coffee was
3: our special assistant to the power play. Oh, really? Like. Wow. <laughs> like we had murderers Row in a coaching staff. You did not want to play in the fourth pickup game afterwards. What was and, the wine we, budget like?
0: <laughs> it was extensive.
3: Like we'd be after the game and like you know, we'd lose the game and like Freddy couples would come in, you'd be having a beer with Brad's after the game, or like, you know, Nickelback would be skating on the ice with us before morning skate. Like just, nice. you know, just famous people all the time, never coming to see us. Never interested in the players, only interested in seeing the coach was a bit different. But we had like, the tip, like, what you would expect, think would be a Gretzky experience, like where we were having like, a, a throwaway kind of closet bag skate practice where Gretz is like, okay, three on ones, and we're just rotating lines. So, like, my line jumps out, we take a three on one. If we score, pull the puck out of the net, the next line jumps out, they go down three on one, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until we score eight goals. So, fine. It's, it's like, you know, Gretz is, I'm sure, thinking, well, back in uh, when I played, this would take eight rushes. Like, <laughs> this would be over before we start. So we get going up and down, and we can't score. Goals are playing well. We can't make a play. The defense are starting to take it seriously. Getting, we're getting frustrated. They're getting excited the more they get frustrated. Us. And we're on the bench. And at one of the bench, and Gretz and the guys aren't even on the ice. They're just watching us go. And they are just killing us. They're like, these guys are the worst players we've ever seen. Like, what the hell is going on? We went, like, for 15 minutes. We could not get to eight goals. And Gretz and his group were just shaking their heads like, this, this is, this, like, I can't even think about how we can coach this team because something that would be so <laughs> oh, simple for them, like so obvious and so like, okay, this is nothing. We're like, okay, we're not, we're not that good. So it was one of those ones where like, and then we're thinking, if that's what they're saying about us when I'm sitting beside them, like what must they say about us when <laughs> we in the dressing room, yeah. when it's quiet and maybe can't hear them, they would be killing us. So, uh, there was a couple elements where, Things that he could do as a coach, as a player, we could not do when he was our coach, and I'm sure that, that frustrated him at times.
0: So could you take him serious as a coach, like knowing that he oh, was yeah. Wayne
3: Gretzky? You know what, Carl? It, it, it took about, honestly, a week before he was like Wayne Gretzky, my, like literally my childhood idol. Right. The guy I watched growing up and the guy I wanted to try to play like and, you know, the guy that I admired to become. He's the coach because, like you know, for me, it's like, he took me off the first power play unit. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Like, I mean, like <laughs> You know, like this coach doesn't know what he's doing. He's he, like, what a, what a jerk. You know what I mean? Like, and then he's just another yeah. coach, right? Like he's just another guy. It was, and there was always moments like he would go on a tour, or, like, you know, somebody would come around or something would happen. And you're like, okay, he's not another guy, but yeah. he very quickly saw what that he was. And the other thing that I always respected Gretz with that first year, because you knew like he was the biggest story on our team. Right. And every, where we went, They would put like, an ISO ISO camera on him the entire game, right? Like, they wanted to get his reactions and interactions and everything that he did on camera. And he was so intense and so passionate. And, like, he would yell and scream at us, at the opponents, at the officials, at everything, because he he wanted to win so badly. And I'm like, I love that about him. Like, he didn't care, like, try to be polished or cool or, you know, that kind of, like, affable, lovable Wayne Gretzky behind the bench. Like, he was super intense and verbal – um, and I love that. I'm like, okay, yeah, he's not, he's not, he's dropped the the, the off ice Gretz persona. He is the competitor of Gretzky guy behind the bench. Um, he didn't care what people thought of it, and I, and I love
1: that. How about that season for Ladislav Nagy back in 2006? <laughs> MJ? <MG>? 56 <laughs> points. Dottie. We like in 51 yeah. games. He's <laughs>
3: yeah. he my oh, He, he yeah. got there robbed. He got robbed of the All Star game. He had, I didn't get wrist surgery then in the year, that's why he didn't play any games. But he was like a point of game player, more than a point of game player, into the All Star game. And I think back then it was like world versus Europe or world, like North America versus the rest of the world. And the numbers didn't work out for some reason. And Shane, who obviously we all love and and would deserve to go anyways, Shane Doan went. And I'm like, laddie, you got, and I think at the time, Donor had whatever. Forty points and Vladi had fifty five. I'm like, this is garbage, Laddie. And he was my guy. He was my line mate. I'm like, you just like you completely deserve to go. He was awesome. He was a very, very good player. He just uh ran into some injuries and he got really good. But you're right. Glad to shout out to Ladislav Nagy, who's like a hero in Slovakia still uh for his uh long run internationally. Nice.
1: We're gonna need a ESPN thirty for thirty on oh, two thousand five, <laughs> two thousand six Phoenix Coyotes oh, more on could. Ladislav Nagy. I'm sure <laughs> yes, they've done that in could. Slovakian TV already. Uh, MJ, thank you for doing this great stuff this morning. We'll chat with you next week. All right, guys. I'm good day.
0: Cpl. Mike Johnson,
1: TSN hockey analyst. We need to get the Gretzky stories in. Yes, we are a little bit heavy here. Who cares? We will That's catch up on the other today, thing. man. It's we're celebrating. It's also Vince yeah. Carter's birthday today. Maybe we'll talk about Vince Carter and his perception in this city with Brian Hayes. He's coming up in about 15 minutes. Time Ed Werder, our NFL insider, as well in about 30 minutes plus our waste management open keyword of the day. All on the way in hour three next.